Welcome back. It is me, your host, Katie Dalebow. This is Let It Out. It was pretty good, right? It was pretty good. I'm also right here. That was Nick. I'm Nick. Broadcasting live from Los Angeles. We just were at a wedding. One of our past podcast guests, Valerie Cheney, got married to Pete Holmes. It was beautiful. Beautiful wedding. Beautiful wedding. Beautiful vows. And a lot of past podcast guests were there, like John. And Misty mm-hmm. and Anea. It was a great time. And here we are on Monday. Happy Halloween. Did you dress up? We might go as uh, Ross Geller and Rachel Green. What do you guys think of that idea? We don't have costumes yet, though. But we're going to make do. Yeah. Because I basically dress like Rachel Green every day. Yeah. And I act like Ross Geller yeah. most of the time. So it's be pretty easy. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I think so. Well, by the time you're listening to this, we will have done this or thought of a better idea. Hopefully thought of a better idea. Right. <laughs> Happy November. Mm-hmm. November is a good month. Love November. You do? I actually do really like November. Yeah? I just like the fall. I know you hate like anything that isn't um, 100 Shh, plus degrees. That's controversial. People okay. are very into the fall. Yeah, I love the fall. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not like anti-fall. I'm just really anti-winter, and fall is like an appetizer for winter. Right, but we we both hear that spring is the worst. Spring is the worst. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. fall's my fave. Yeah. yeah. Okay, here's the thing, you guys. This week's episode is long. It's a really good one. I talked to Aki. She is the founder of Minka Brooklyn, and... We get into so many things in in this episode. We talk about Reiki. We talk about flower essences. We talk about her growing up in Japan and her mom's suicide and moving to America when she was just 18 years old. We talk about entrepreneurship and motherhood and relationships. At the end, she gives one of the best pieces of advice about relationships I've ever heard and her tip about social media was my favorite that I've ever heard. So stick around for that. And in the meantime, we have just a couple things to tell you because like we said, this episode is long, so I'm going to keep this intro very short. And also, we are hungry and we're about to go to brunch at Squirrel in LA. Have any of you guys been there? I've been wanting to go forever. I've actually been there one other time with past podcast guest Lynn Chin, who turned me on to it. And now we're going to go. Your first time. That's right. Are you excited? I'm excited. Okay. Let's get to it. First up, before we get to the sponsors, we're having a giveaway for November. How exciting is that? Oh my god. So exciting. What are we giving away? We're giving away Ellie's nut milk bag. It's a really, really great quality nut milk bag. And it's BPA free. It's fast drying. It's easy to clean. And it's reusable. And you're not just getting the nut milk bag. You're also getting a copy of... Let It Out. A Journey Through Journaling by Katie Delbout. That's my book. That's your book. Oh, Yeah. Man. So you're getting a copy of that if you don't already have one. And if you do, that's okay. You can give it away. The holidays are coming up. Mm-hmm. And what else are we giving out? Uh, some Bob's Red Mill products. Which we love. Big fan. So anyway, if you want to enter that giveaway, the link is in the show notes. Go there and Amanda will have told you exactly what to do. So speaking of Bob's Red Mill, they are a new sponsor this week, which is great because I've loved them for a really long time and personally use their products regularly. They are a wholesome brand that really makes you feel good about what you're eating. What do you think of Bob's Red Mill? I've been a really big fan of Bob's Red Mill for a while. I used to buy their flax seeds and I'd like grind them up and put them in like 
flour for uh, for making bread. And I used all the raw wheat germ back in the day. I like buy all their things, basically. That's that's really great. I think we should tell the people that you used to want to be a baker. I did. I wanted to be a baker during my quarter life crisis after I graduated college, um, but that didn't work out. So now I'm a photographer, but this is about Bob's Red Mill. (laughs) (laughs) But again, about Bob's Red Mill. So if you love them, which you probably do, you can now, just because you're a listener to this podcast, get 25% off your purchase by using the code... Let it out. All one word. In caps. I think in caps. I don't know if it's case sensitive, but maybe try in caps like you're yelling. 25% off. Anyway, their products are great. They are gluten-free products that are processed 100% in a gluten-free facility to ensure no cross-contamination. So if you have celiac disease, we know some people with celiac disease. Anyway, my best friend Simi could use their products because there's no cross-contamination. And they're the highest quality, they're minimally processed, and they're great. So check them out, 25% off. Use the code Let It Out at checkout. Who else, also, we Who else is our sponsor? And this week we have another sponsor, Care of Vitamins. Love the care of vitamins. We sure do. Care of Vitamins is a boutique vitamin store that helps you to curate exactly what your unique body needs. So you go to their website, you take this really short quiz. You took the quiz. I did. I took the quiz. And it asks you questions about your diet, about your lifestyle, about your eating habits, your sleeping habits, your energy levels. And from there, it will tell you exactly what supplements you need. Because even if you're eating the highest quality foods, there are some nutritional gaps that supplements can be really helpful for filling. You take supplements. I do. I take supplements. We find them very helpful. So if you want to check out Care Of, which I highly suggest you do so, you can get 50% off your order by using the code Katie at checkout. That's half of the percents off. That's a really good discount code. Maybe one of the best discount codes ever. I mean, it's a pretty great deal. Half off. First order. First order. First order. But still legit. Still really good. You get a lot of supplements. It comes in this like cute tower with little packages. Like the packaging's really great. Worth it for the packaging. Worth it for the packaging. Just just get the packaging. No. Get the supplements too. Get the the supplements too. And it's personalized. So it's going to say your name. If your name is Nick, it's going to say. It's going to say Nick. And it's going to say Katie. (laughs) You could actually program it to say anything you want. That's true. Whatever you want to be called, it will put on the packaging for you. Okay, the point is, guys, check out Bob's Red Mill. Check out Care-of. Thank them both so much for sponsoring the podcast. This is my favorite thing I've ever done. I'm so in love with podcasts, and I would like to make it my goal that everybody listens to at least one podcast a day. Ooh, I listen to like 12 podcasts a day. Yeah, I know, but let's let's start small here. Let's start small. <laughs> Other than this podcast, listen to another one too. And share this one with a friend who maybe doesn't listen to podcasts to get them into it. Agreed. This is a really good episode. It's a long episode, so we're going to be quiet now. But it's a good one. You should listen to this one. I'm excited. I don't know what Reiki is. But you're going to find out in this episode. Flower essences? Exactly. I also don't know what that is. You're going to find out. I'm going to learn. All right. Enjoy this episode. We'll talk to you in a moment. Okay, so I've been really liking starting the podcast in... The present mm-hmm. so 
it allows us to kind of like dive in deep from the beginning. Yeah. And then we'll get into you and your story and Minka and how you got here. But so what is present for you? Like what in the past week or month even have you been realizing or contemplating or want to let out? Contemplating. Oh, it's like a giving out of the secret, right? Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? So right now, I am, I mean, this is something that I have thought about for a minute, but I'm all, I'm kind of contemplating creating a wing of Minka Brooklyn, which is not for profit, mm. um, specifically to do um, professional development and education around using healing as a tool for self-care and for um, care for others in social justice and social activism realm. Because that's also, I don't know if we talked about this before, but I'm, that's also my background. Yeah. And I truly believe that um, in order for change to happen, the people who are working towards that bigger change, brighter change, needs to be healed. Because it is a lot of work for them to maintain balance, maintain peaceful, peaceful um, inner life. Yeah. And I really want healing practices to be part of the social active activism world. Yeah. So that might be something that I'm thinking of doing. Um, and aside from that, what was really exciting for us was for us to be um, holding a healing temple at Afropunk in Brooklyn. Cool. And that was really exciting and it was um, really beautiful to see how receptive people were. Mm. And that really gave me even deeper understanding of how this work is needed in, in many different parts of the country, the world, wherever it is. Yeah. yeah. What was in the heal? What was the healing temple like? So healing temple was in conjunction with another uh, company that's called Dropping Seas. They create herbal blends. Oh, cool. So it, they are herbal company, and uh, we partner to do. One section is retail, and you know we sold herbal products and crystals and smudge sticks. And other part was. Mika practitioner, Mika practitioner of color actually, um, offered Reiki astrology, um, tarot reading, and acupuncture. Very cool. For sliding scale. So cool. Yeah. Okay, I feel like we need to kind of take a step back for the people listening who might not be in New York and might not know what Minka is. So right. instead of me describing it, yeah. you as the founder, I would love to describe, you know, what is this beautiful place? First, maybe start with what it is and explain it. Minka Brooklyn. Minka means home of the people. In and Japanese, right? In Japanese. That's where yeah. I am from. That's my native language. Uh, so Minka Brooklyn is essentially a wellness and healing space. Um, and I also look at Minka as a co-working space for wellness and, prof uh, wellness and healing practitioners. So we can have this idea of community and collaboration between one another, as well as having affordable way to practice professionally. Um, so that's definitely. How did the name come to you? I love that, home to the people. Home of the people, yeah. Um, 
this idea was kind of floating around for a while, but um, that really landed once I decided to open a healing center. And one of the another reason why I wanted to have a healing center was that um, I think a lot of people say this, but in yoga world and wellness world and healing world, that diversity is has been a little bit of an issue. Yeah. And not that people of color did not want to be included in a wellness or healing sector, but it's more of the representation of the uh, teaching bodies and leadership bodies that didn't quite reflect that level of diversity. Mm -hmm. So home of the people really meant that whomever will come will feel that they have a place here. Mm -hmm. They can call this home because they are honored and that's, reflected in the practitioner body so i have a strong philosophy in that we like to offer variety and that means variety of modalities and that also means varieties in the background of our practitioners because one thing does not fit all we are so all different so i want to offer as much um diversity diversity and choice as possible yeah, that's, yeah, that was my favorite thing, I think, when I walked in the door. Mm. Um, I think the last time I was here, and it might be happening right now, there was some something happening that's highlighting African-American healers. Yeah, that's so right. That was Zodiac Lounge, I think, when you came. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk about that? What is that? So Zodiac Lounge has been happening for a long time. It's not led by me, so I don't know the extensive, extensive history of that, but it has been created to highlight people of color, healers and practitioners to have a place to showcase their skill set. So that's how they started. And it's housed here at Minka? At Minka once a month. That's very cool. Yeah. So going back to your your story and Mm -hmm. how we're here at Minka now, you are from Japan? You grew up in Japan? Mm Mm-hmm. How did you get into holistic healing and Reiki and flower essences yeah. and yoga and all this? It's a really, uh, I mean, it's a simple story, I guess. I just was really sick for a long time. Is this stuff really, this like way of thinking and all this wellnessy stuff that we're into popular in Japan? Not as a mainstream, I don't believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't been back for a while. And, you know, my I moved to the States when I was 18. And I have definitely put my root down in this country. So I haven't... I'm not so up to date with what's happening in Japan. But this, you know, whatever happens in the U.S. tend to happen in Japan. But this is not necessarily a mainstream. I think it's much bigger here. Yeah. Done in Japan. Especially in big cities like being here in New York. Yeah. But did you grow up holistically? With How did you grow up? What was your childhood like in Japan? My childhood is fairly normal uh, or contemporary or traditional or, or how, however we want to call it. Yeah. But my, well, only thing that might be really different is that I had three generations in my household mm-hmm. growing up. So is I that up, typical? And- no, no. Um, I grew up with my maternal family. My great grandparents was there, and then my great grandmother was there. Yeah. So even though, and Japanese people in 
most cases are not necessarily religious or spiritual, but they are very traditional, especially when you live with the older generation. Yeah. And that's what happened with my household. So, yeah, there was a lot of upholding of traditions, change of the seasons, and how we kind of like celebrate that into and then bring that into our lives. We certainly have that. But in terms of holistic healing, that was not really my family's thing. Yeah.、Mm-mm. Did you have brothers and sisters? I do have one younger sister. Is your family still in Japan? Yes. Do you, so growing up,、um, Anything from that that kind of brought you to want to move to the States, or what was like what was growing up in Japan like, and how did you compare it to here? To me, it was very stressful.、Um, I don't know if anybody believes in you know past lives or any of that, but there was, and I don't, I still don't know what exactly it was, but there was a sense of displacement in. In me, that I just really did not feel home in my own homeland.、Mm. And it was a really strange sen- sensation, and that was all I knew. So I felt that that's basically what it was. Yeah. I, I, that was the only thing I knew growing up. I just felt that I was not really supposed to be there.、Mm. Like you always knew you wanted to move somewhere else? Yeah, I just, I just felt a strong sense of. Not belonging. Yeah, I relate to that. You even relate in、like、to a、that? small way、yeah. of knowing I wanted to move from where I grew up, even though it was just a different state. Yeah. And then it was in a sense that I just felt that the way I thought or the way I saw the world just was not, just was considered strange.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't feel fit. Yeah. So, you know, that also manifested in many health issues too because I had constant migraines. I was very stressed out since a young age.、Um, so, that also led me to holistic healing once I moved here. So, you're in Japan. Yeah. You grew up in a pretty traditional family,、mm-hmm. good childhood. And then you, when you were 18, decided that you wanted to move to New York. What was that? Decision like for your family, how did they take that? How did you make that happen? Because that's such a big thing to do.、Um, actually, I moved to Georgia first.、Oh, okay. So I lived in the South for about five years. Why Georgia? <laughs> so, of course, you know, my family didn't want me to move in the、right. beginning. So, for me, the way to prove that I could do this was to say, well, I can get a scholarship to go. Right. And the school that was offering the scholarship was down south. Okay. And that's where I went. So, what did, where did you go to school? What did you study?、Um, I was in the beginning in a school called Georgia Southwestern College back then. Now it is a university. And then I moved up to Atlanta from there to go to Georgia State and I studied photography. Okay. Yeah, cool. You're in the United States. What was being so far from your family and where you grew up like those first five years in the South? Yeah, anyone who, I guess anyone who lived in another country can tell you this, but just living in another country gave me a totally different perspective、mm-hmm. on what truth really is. What I thought true 
was not necessarily true. What I thought normal was not necessarily mm. normal. What I thought that how things should be done was not necessarily the case. Yeah. And also by moving to another country, that really gave me a different um, appreciation to what I had. You know, here's this woman who just thought that, who just kind of negated her tradition, right? Like, yeah. oh, I don't like being there. That's just not working for me. And then once I moved here, I just realized the reason that there were those traditions. Mm -hmm. And there was deeper meaning to the traditions that we have. Even though some of them was probably outdated. Some of them was yeah. not probably updated. Right. What specifically were those? Are some of those traditions like spiritual traditions or? Now I think of the spiritual traditions a lot now, mm -hmm. uh, more and more. Yeah. Um, but back then it was more about you know it's simple thing how orderly things are or mm -hmm. how efficient things are. Yeah. You know, um, or how people are very very courteous. Yeah. Or people don't litter, or things right. like that. It's just like I took it for granted, yeah. and that was just my normal. So interesting. But then things that that was not necessarily normal here, you know. Yeah. So things like that. So, what was your family's reaction to you moving here and staying here for now so long? Um, moving here. I think it was kind of like, well, she proved herself so she can go. Um, and I'm not even, I've never actually asked this to my family, but I wonder if they knew that I wasn't going to go back. Yeah. Did you know that you weren't going to go back? Oh, I knew I wasn't going to go back. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to go back. So they maybe thought you were just coming for school. And then you would end up going back. So where in Japan did you grow up? Did you grow up in the city? Or yeah, it's a suburb. Of Tokyo? Or? No. It, well, I mean, some people call that. It's about two hours north of Tokyo. Okay. So some people do commute to Tokyo, but most people just work in, in that area. Okay. Yeah. So do most of the people in your family and community where you grew up stay there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was different for you to move? It was very different for me to move. And a lot of times people might go to college out of town, but come back. it seems that a lot of people do go back. Yeah. Yeah. So have you been back? Are you still close to your family? How often do you go back? Um, I go back every five years. <laughs> yeah. Do they and visit you here? Not so much. Yeah. Um, it's not that we are not close. It's just the, the distance. Yeah. And I just really get affected by the jet lag. Yeah, we were just talking about it. Yeah, the jet lag, really, coming back from Japan, I really, I seriously, I honestly feel that I'm not quite 100% for a month after I come back from Japan. That's so interesting that you say that, because I was just in Hawaii, like I yeah. was you, which is not quite to Japan, but it's pretty close. It's pretty <laughs> close, yeah. And going there, it's like, it's fine. It's not like not ideal, but it's fine. But yeah. Man, it was rough coming back. Right? Like I still, and that was like a week ago now, and I'm still feeling a bit off. So I'm yeah. glad you said that. It makes me feel less alone. Yeah, I feel very, I'm, I get affected very, yeah. very. I get affected a lot. Yeah. So speaking of getting affected by things. Yeah. And, um, and you, you mentioned that before you left when you were 18, you were starting to have 
some mental things affecting you physically, like these migraines? How mm-hmm. did you get into holistic healing of that? Or, or did you even know what was going on with you physically and emotionally when you were at that age? I mean, you know, I was really an, a child who just never... I was just always sick. You know you know those kids that who get sick right before the school trip or something, field yeah. trip or something? That was me. Like, I was always sick. And if something were exciting were to happen, then I would probably be sick because wow. it's just how I was. Yeah. I didn't go to one-third of my kindergarten wow. because I was just constantly sick. Wow. I had pneumonia so many times. Yeah. I had bronchitis all the time. It was just kind of how I was. And was your sister like that too? No, my sister was totally fine. Huh. It was just me. Yeah. And, you know, we just thought, oh, well, she has, like, weak system. Or, yeah. you know, she's just like that. Right. So that's what we just kind of thought that's what it was going to be like. But becoming an adult and this trend just kept on going, I just felt like I can't live my life like this. Because mm-hmm. I was like always sick. And it's typical of me to just get excited about something new and I'm, oh, I'm going to do this new thing or I'm going to, you know, really work hard to achieve this particular thing. And as soon as I think of something like that, yeah. I get sick. So interesting. It's really interesting, right? And I was like, wow. It's like anticipation or something. Yeah, that it's almost like, I don't know, maybe some people would, would just call it like a feel of success or something. Yeah, you know? like self-sabotage. Yeah, self-sabotage mm-hmm. at a very physical, deep level. Interesting. So when did you notice this and like really become aware of that particular thing? That particular thing? I think in my late 20s. Mid twenties, okay. late twenties. So you were already here. I was already here, and I already moved here, and I had my daughter really young. So my oldest daughter is now nineteen. I had her when I was twenty, and that was back in Atlanta. And you know that was another story of craziness. Um, I had a very crazy relationship with my ex husband. So that's another thing that I have to get over yeah. um, to move to New York, but. Um, Everything is a learning lesson, right? Yeah. I needed that lesson. I needed that really hard kick on my butt to, yeah. to learn something new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so right around 25, 26, that's when I started to really kind of see the patterns of my sickness and what's exactly happening. Yeah. And by then, I was definitely grappling with a pretty severe depression. So that's another thing that was on my plate. Yeah. So all of those. So at some point I was like, okay, which one is triggering what? Like, am I getting sick and then that causes depression? Or my depression is causing my immune system to not work right? Yeah. You know, it was like one of those mystery cases that just kept on going for years. So you're in Atlanta, mm-hmm. you're studying photography, mm-hmm. and you become in this relationship, mm-hmm. and you eventually have your daughter and yeah. become a mother, mm-hmm. and then you, why did you decide to move to New York? Were you doing photography in Atlanta? Were you an artist? What? Yeah, I definitely wasn't. I, I was an artist, um, and at the same time, I just really needed to get away from my husband. Mm. Um, How long were you in that relationship? 
um, two years. Yeah, two years. Yeah, and that was another interesting turning point in my life too. Though it was painful,、um, it was just my lack of owing responsibility、mm-hmm. to my own life. You know, I was just kind of going along with whomever, whatever this person was saying,、yeah. and I just completely believed in what he was saying, not quite reflecting or owning my share of. Whatever was happening, yeah, you know. So it was, needless to say, it was a very abusive relationship and manipulative relationship.、Mm. Um, but that was the learning that I needed to have, yeah. right? Yeah. So did you get into holistic healing and you know everything Minka related when you were in Atlanta? How did that no. come into your life? No, that came about when I was in my. Mid twenties, and it started out with once you were in New York. In New York,、okay. yeah.、Um, yoga. So you moved here with your daughter. That I feel like we can't gloss over that. I feel like that's such a big move on your own, much less with a young child. Oh yeah, it was, was a, it was a huge、like? move.、Um, so, so my, so the crazy story is that my ex husband never gave me a green card. At that point, we were married for I don't know a year and a half, and he never even filed for it. And you know, I was like, okay, you know, we've been married, and I fell in love with you, and we got married, and you haven't even tried to do anything about you know myself being able to work in this country. Right. And he kept saying, "Well, you can just work under the table." I was like, "Well, I don't think I have to do that when I actually can work." Yeah, we're married. We are、so. married. I should be able to do that, and you have to do something about this. And you know, it came to the point. I was like, "Well, you are not a responsible person, and and you know, you are alcoholic, and、mm-hmm. I can't go on. But you really have to help me to stay in this country because this much you owe me. Yeah, you owe me this because it's not like I married you for a green card. We、right. actually got married, and now you have a. I have、child. a daughter, and. I can't. I don't want to take my daughter to a country where I felt uncomfortable growing、right. up to begin with, because I felt I didn't fit in. Why do you? What do you think my, you know, biracial daughter is gonna feel like? Right. So for me, it was a matter of, you know, my daughter's safety, mental, well, health. Yeah. To stay here, and so. We decided that. Oh yeah, so we decided that he's native New Yorker, so he wanted to move back to New York. So I said, okay, you know what? We can move, and we will have an arrangement where you're gonna help me raise my daughter, and then also make sure that I can legally work, so I can provide for my daughter. Yeah, didn't work out. So you didn't get the green card. I have to get green card by myself.、Mm. Um, after after, and he basically took my money and left.、Ugh. And the friend that I was counting on kicked us out、mm. in the middle of January. So we lived in domestic violence shelter for a, just about a year.、Mm. Um, 
through that, um, my depression got worse. But I, but then through that, I had a opportunity to start seeing a therapist because it was mandated for me to see a therapist. Cool. And you know, back then I was like, no, I can do this. I'm fine. I don't have to worry about that. But hey, I needed it, right? Yeah. And from that, I really um, learned a lot about myself. And how to take care of my mental health, or you know, at least a method what I can do and what's available to me. Yeah. And uh, through the help of um, the domestic violence shelter and the system, that when you are a domestic violence victim, then they they have to help you to get your green card because the citizen did not do their duty. Yeah. So the country owes you that duty, mm-hmm. and that's kind. Of, that's how I got my green card. That's great. Yeah. Wow. So does that lead into your social justice work? The time you spend. No, I mean that certainly gives me another layer yeah. to my work with social justice and how and you know with anything that I went through. My, I mean, if you if I tell you what I have went through, my life is kind of crazy. Yeah, no, I'm loving that. This is exactly what this podcast is. My life is really, really crazy. And, you know, we didn't even talk about before I left, my mom tried to kill herself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's how I lost my mother. My mom passed away 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And she committed suicide. Mm -hmm. That's how she died. So, you know, this I, yeah, but, you know, it is, it is what it is. And, and, but. So did your mom struggle with depression? She did. She did. Did you know that growing up? Oh, yeah. My whole high school time, um, age, when I was in high school, she was severely depressed. So, one, you know, if I'm, I don't know, after dinner and I find my mother in the kitchen staring at a knife in a dark kitchen or, you know, that was kind of the thing. And yeah. I did not know what that was back right. then, you know, because I was still a young person and yeah. I wasn't depressed like, like how I experienced it later in life. So... Right. I, if, I, if I knew what I knew now, if I knew what I know now back then, then yeah, I would understand, oh, my mom's depressed, I have to help her. But right. to me, that was like, why is my mom tripping out? Right. You know, I don't understand, just You're snap upset. out of it, mom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've definitely... How did your dad and the rest of your family, your sister, react to that? My parents were divorced when I was 10, which I guess that's another context to my upbringing because divorce in my small suburban town was not common Mm. I think she might have been one of the first to get divorced so it was a very complex emotion Mm. that we had to deal with yeah yeah did you stay you lived with your mom and my maternal family but did you stay close with your dad? Or? No, I did not speak to my dad for eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, we did have occasional letter exchange. We wrote him letters and he... Did he even write back? I'm not sure. My father was never an emotionally available person. Mm-hmm. She was very... He was very, uh, say, left-brain person. Yeah. Very analytical, very sarcastic. Well, that has nothing to do with the brain side, but he was kind of sarcastic and yeah. not emotionally available. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, ne- I was never 
that attached to my my father but what was really hard for me was that I still remember this when my mom told myself and my sister that they're getting divorced um, our grandfather and I was really close to my grandfather and he actually sat down and told me that well you know because you are the older one I know we are close but now that I really have to pay attention to your sister you know, because she's younger and I know you can take care of yourself, but I think I need to spend more time with your sister. So it's my loss was not really about my father. I think mm. my loss was more about my grandfather mm. in and some way. How what's the age difference between ten and my daughter my sister, I'm sorry, my sister was eight. So it's uh, can't you pay attention to both of you? Or? Yeah, I don't know what that logic was, really. Yeah, but I guess yeah children. Yeah, we are both children. But like I guess you're older, so you you can do it better. Or I don't know what that was. <laughs> so that's so hard. Yeah, that's on top hard. of a bunch of other hard things happening in your life. Yeah, but then at that time I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, you, because you're like, like empowered. Okay, okay, I I should do this. I can yeah. do this. You know, but I think that has that that made me independent. Yeah. I have to say, but then that also had the negative impact of like not being able to rely on people sometimes or not really being able to say like well asking for help asking for help or failure was not an option or you know that kind of a funny yeah. thing that comes with yeah I feel like I'm still working with that yeah <laughs> but it's good it's a working progress so this all makes more sense why you were ready when you were 18 to move depart yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and yeah my my family distance. just was not it was an emotionally oppressive household yeah because you are not allowed to say what you wanted to say yeah. you just supposed to I guess suck it up and go with it right and it's not because they had they just didn't know any other way mm. So yeah, my migraine and all of that, and along with the pressure of, you know, I don't know if you know this, but in Asian countries, the college entrance exam is such a stressful issue, and it's just a very stressful thing. Yeah. And all of that, plus my family. Yeah. And it was just... uh, It's enough to make anyone sick. It was very stressful. Yeah. Growing up. So it sounds like when you got here, you you probably felt some relief yeah, and some I did. freedom. I did. And then you kind of, it seems like you got rid of that once you got into that relationship mm-hmm. with your daughter's father. Mm-hmm. And then had to again find that for yourself once you got to New York. And mm-hmm. now do you feel like you've achieved that with where you are now in your life? Maybe we could go back to, you know being in the shelter and starting to see the therapist Mm -hmm. to the present now Mm. I I never I don't I mean I don't know yet but I I I have a feeling that I'll never be fully ready or fully done or fully achieving anything but I'm certainly at a place where I am healthy Mm -hmm. I'm not sick all the time I I don't feel depressed and I feel joyous every single day of my life yeah I actually do I just have to check that, make sure I'm not lying. But yes, I do feel joyous every day. 
and I love what I do for my life and for the community that I live in. So, so yes, it's definitely things that I've done has definitely worked out really well for my life. Yeah. Right. And you've created so much and you've done so much with this beautiful space and your business and everything that you do here. What do you think the 25-year-old you in the shelter would have thought of everything you've created now and where you are? Yeah, they, it's probably that person would be like, really, that's me? Is that what I'm going to be doing? Because yeah. back then I was still an artist, right? I was making stuff and... Um, yeah, and right when I got into yoga and Ayurvedic medicine were the first things that I started to study. Yeah. But how did you find yoga and Ayurveda? Through a friend of mine. There was a Japanese person who studied Ayurvedic medicine and she was raving about it. And I thought, okay, I guess I can take a little class from this. Japanese woman and I did I was like wow this is really interesting and because my health is such a, an issue I yeah. feel like something can re this can really help me so is this going back to the timeline of your story so you're 20 mid 20 so you're in the shelter you start seeing this sh this therapist. therapist and that's a way after that okay mm -hmm. so then how did you go from being in the shelter to getting out on your own and, and how how is your daughter doing through all this and like is this about the time you found yoga yes so let me go back okay so I got out of I moved here 2000 in the year 2000 to New York City and I was living in a shelter um, and when you live in the shelter system they have to help you somehow to get out of the shelter system. Yeah. So um, either you get moved to a New York City housing or you get this thing called Section 8. So I found an apartment which is Section 8 and it's a rent subsidized apartment. And that's how I started living by myself with my daughter. Cool. And I had a retail job that I worked and I was doing okay. And my daughter was going to start in a preschool. So, you know, she was going to school and I had a friend who helped me pick her up because my retail job didn't end till later. So it was kind of a constant whirlpool of a whole bunch of things that yeah. just needed to happen. Yeah. And did you make friends here and sort of have community at that time? That was a really huge thing for me that I made this, I made a friend, she was another single mother, mm -hmm. and we basically took turns oh, that's so great. to pick up our daughter and her son, my daughter and her son, and they're the same age, they are still friends, oh. they became best friends, so they grew up kind of like a sibling. Yeah. And are you still friends with the mom? Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. She moved to Staten Island. She bought a house in Staten Island, but she's still she's still oh, around. That makes me so happy that you guys found each other. Yeah. So it was. I I really think I needed her more than she needed me. But 
maybe also an emotional support at the emotional support level yeah. it was really good to have each other and you know we weren't alone yeah, yeah. and you know we didn't pay for babysitter or we just kind of took care of each other's kids it's oh, amazing yeah so you're working that job and then around that time you find yoga and ayurveda yeah um what was interesting was that when i was working a retail job one of the manager at the place was like you should really try yoga if you're you're talking about you feel depressed and you have these things maybe you really should do yoga I was like, yeah okay interesting i can try so i started doing it on my own for a minute i was like wow it's kind of interesting when you do yoga you realize you have muscles in a part of your body that you never knew existed you know, that was kind of revelation. That was a revelation that I had when I had yoga. I was like, wow, my body is so much more complex than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And that's how it started. But then, then I met this Japanese person mm-hmm. who told me about Ayurvedic medicine. And from there, I decided to, um, I decided to uh, take a longer course from her teacher who is a um, Indian woman who teaches Ayurveda and so she studied in India she's a medical doctor and Ayurvedic charia so that's an Ayurvedic medicine doctor and she's a traditional medicine doctor in India and that's how I learned Ayurveda so then how what did what did that then do for you for me mental yeah yeah Ayurveda I Ayurveda made me realize that how individualistic we all are. I mean, I knew that at the, on the intellectual level, but I just really realized, even for medicine, that it's so individualized. Ayurvedic medicine is so individualized that, of course, there's no one cure for anyone. We just kind of have to do so many different things for yeah. our body to get better. And what really changed for me studying Ayurveda and yogic studies after that was the idea of how I view the world. Um, And that's when the traditional way of living as a Japanese person and my spirituality kind of came together. Mm. Because the way that in in Vedic philosophy, how you view the world is so much different than a traditional Western way of looking at the life. Mm-hmm. And how so? Um, this consciousness in everything and how consciousness is what moves us. And the consciousness kind of connects us all together. You know, the word namaste means yeah. the, the light within me greets the light within mm-hmm. you. That really talks about we are actually one thing. Yeah, totally. So that concept really made sense to me because in Japan, everything has spirits, right? Rock spirits, river spirits, um, the tree spirit. But then I was like, oh, I see. I'm not celebrating just the tree. I'm celebrating the consciousness in the tree, which is in me. So it's a celebration of all, acknowledging everything that's life. Cool. So that's kind of how it landed for me. Yeah. But that was really uh, aha, one of the biggest aha moments in my life. Yeah. So then what else did you take from that? Did you take it into your motherhood with your daughter? And how did it lead you from 
then your next step after working the retail job? Um, then I started to teach yoga. I, after that, I went to, so from Ayurveda, I decided that I wanted to teach yoga. So I started to take a yogic course. And also, I um, also married um, my current husband. So how did you guys meet? We met at a club. <laughs> <laughs> Was that pretty soon after being in New York? Or how, like, how much time has passed? It was a while after. Um, it was right before I started to studying Ayurveda okay. and stuff like that. And so what was being in that relationship like for you after coming from where you were before? What, did, what were some things that you kind of had learned about relationships that you applied to this next healthy relationship? Um, so that was another very interesting thing that how much of the pattern that I carried over. Mm. And, you know, my husband, bless his heart, he's extremely patient. And Is he from New York? He's actually um, native Jamaican. Okay. He's from Jamaica. He's been here for a long time. Okay. But he was born in Jamaica. Um, I think what worked for us or what I know now is that he showed me how to love and how love works mm -hmm. by just plainly loving me mm -hmm. and loving my daughter. And I think that's probably a most significant thing I've seen was that this person is just in love with my daughter just as much as I am in love with her. Yeah, and funny enough, they have the same birthday. Oh, <laughs> it was so perfect. Yeah, they're like a match made in heaven. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, so you meet your now husband, you're teaching yoga, mm -hmm. and are, are, are things kind of coming together for you physically as well? It sounds like your life is coming together. It was better, but not necessarily 100% better. Mm -hmm. I was still definitely getting sick all the time in my... Um, depression I did have a bout of deep depression from time to time so what was kind of the next piece of the next puzzle piece to of getting the puzzle. you um, so that it took a while for me to fully put it together mm -hmm. um, while I was teaching yoga and doing all of that and I actually because I am now married that I actually could take devote more time to motherhood and connect reconnect with my daughter at a level that I couldn't quite do at that in the beginning time so I was really doing that and that's something I truly enjoyed doing and after that um, I got pregnant with my second so I put all of the other thing on hold and I dove into being a mom yeah and with this particular pregnancy and birth I was really focused on doing it right <laughs> because I was doing it so quote-unquote wrong in my own experience I just wanted this to be completely different yeah um so I had a home birth with my second child and 
you know, this whole attachment parenting thing. And that was great. But then also that really pushed me down to this deep level of depression too because I was really deprived what from that. What does that mean exactly? I've heard that term, but... Attachment parenting? Yeah. So you are always with your child. You breastfeed your child all the time. I mean, some people are extreme with it. Like, they breastfeed their children till five. That's right. not what I did. But, you know, I, I wasn't hiring a babysitter to take care of my kid or I was just always with my child and I was also insular I didn't really want a lot of people in my home yeah and that created this level of separation from outside world mm. that was not healthy for my right. depression depression yeah how did you deal with that with your husband and how did you kind of explain to him and how does how did he react to what was going on with you mentally because I think in relationships that can be kind of a complicated thing mm-hmm. to explain to, to someone who doesn't also have that tendency for yeah, depression right so I think for my husband it, ju- it was just really scary to see me depressed yeah because we got to the point that I was just kind of like shut down yeah um so he would say it's really you are really scaring me mm-hmm. um and what I said was, listen, it's not so much what you are doing to me that or anything like that. It's just I have those days that I just cannot get out of this mood. And what you can do for me is to just give me some space, but make sure that I'm eating and make sure that if I, you know, maybe you can find me a therapist. Yeah. Yeah. So you basically told him what you needed and then he was able to Mm -hmm. take action Mm -hmm. from there. Mm -hmm. So then did you get back into therapy at that time? At that time, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I think I just kind of got better. Yeah. And then I just kind of went with it. Yeah, you kind of fell out of it. Yeah, I fell out of it. And then it was, I was like, oh, okay, I think I'll be okay. Yeah. But then with my third pregnancy, it just was not okay. And it was just really at a scary place. I just even scared myself. Was that pretty soon after your second child? Mm, five years. Okay. Yeah. So in those five years, you're teaching yoga, and you're, but you're just not really... Yeah, and then that's best. when I really dove into more of an idea of public service. So I was doing a lot of um, fundraising for not-for-profit, and that's when I started doing a lot of the activism work, food and health and how that relates to the access of healthy food and how we should all have that access. Yeah. Before, I guess, we, do, we talk about all of this, maybe that there's something that I should actually address, is that what I realized after the fact is I'm a very project-based person. So you would see, if you look at my life, there's a period of time that I intensely do something and then I move on. And I move on. So because I'm really good at focusing on a short period of time to do these projects, but not necessarily as a long haul. Yeah. And I used to think that as a fault or a flaw in my life. But then I realized that's just kind of the trait that business owners have. Yeah, entrepreneurship. Yeah, because we actually have this project that we need to get done in order for for things to happen. And so, you know, that's something that I needed to learn. And during that time, my 
issue was and then also this was something that was um, connected to my depression too this sense of purpose and understanding what I was supposed to be doing and what my purpose is and it was every time I thought about that I just got so depressed because I couldn't quite figure it out it's like is it yoga is it Ayurveda mm-hmm. am I supposed to is it aromatherapy or, or what am I supposed to be doing that's so interesting because I relate to that so much and that sense of, I think I talked to you about this last time when I was here, that mm. sense of feeling like a master of none, like mm-hmm. kind of dabbling in lots of different things, but mm-hmm. not knowing where to focus. Yeah. And I think my depression springs up when I have that like flailing where I want to do so much, but I end up doing nothing at all because yeah. I can't choose mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I just can't decide where to stop for a second and focus. So how yeah. did you find that focus and and hone in and realize that that was very multifaceted I mean so once my depression got really really bad yeah after your second after my third child third child I started going to a this form of um therapy called dbt it's a dialectical behavior therapy okay and that was very helpful to see how my brain thinks. Yeah. How did you find that? And what is that? Um, a friend of mine actually recommended it to me. So it is a type of cognitive behavior therapy. So it's about retraining your brain to learn how to um, work with your emotions. Cool. Um, and it's also very mindfulness-based. So is it talk therapy? How does it like work? You do have a talk therapy session with your therapist mm-hmm. and then you actually have a class that you have to go to to learn the skills. Cool. So you learn, you, you learn a healthy coping mechanism, not the one you learned from your parents, which probably was dysfunctional since I was depressive. Right, right, right. Um, they did the best they could, but they couldn't give us all the tools that we needed for us to think and perform and work and do all the things in a healthy manner yeah so it reteaches you um so that was extremely helpful and and then i was on a light dose of um, zoloft for a while and then after that i started to go to acupuncture every week and i started to see flower essence therapist and then and then while all of that is going on I became friends with a person who was a tarot reader I was really into wellness stuff but I had to say tarot reading I was like I don't know about that yeah I was even hesitant when she said let me give you a reading I was like okay I don't know what that's gonna do for me yeah. You know, because I just thought of tarot as this woo-woo future telling. Right. What she revealed to me was something that I would have never gotten in 10 years of therapy. What was it? It was just because tarot, through the way that she practiced tarot is what I have actually learned is 
in this book actually talk about it's a psychoanalytical approach of tarot okay so you think you are pulling a card to illuminate what your subconscious is trying mm. to tell you cool and from that then that really made a lot of the things that I, I was doing in my life really made sense and from that I really started to understand and by getting astrological reading understanding why my life was placed in a way it did and why I was for example project based versus career oriented mm -hmm. and how I am so good at making people feel at home yes. and how I feel so drawn to helping other people instead of just like doing things for myself and for my career yeah. and how that is all made sense yeah. And that I just didn't feel like that's an issue. Yeah. It, I mean, I knew all the things about myself, but I thought there was something wrong with it. Right. But by doing these many different kinds of therapy, I came to realize there was nothing wrong with me that I was made like this. Yeah. And these are the tools that I can use for me to make my life better and at the same time I can make other people's lives better. Mm. So I saw this clear alignment of my life through all of these practices. Yeah. Okay, so that's really interesting because it sounds like all of these little modalities and things that you curated for yourself are now all here in this space in Minka. Yeah. And and including your social activism work, including your work as a mother. And I there's so many programs for yeah. mothers here. Yeah. yeah. So how did then bring us to the present and your, yeah. how where the idea for Minka came from and how all of those things ended up healing you mm -hmm. and getting you to what you were talking about at the beginning of how you feel joy every day mm -hmm. and you're totally different from that person you were talking about at the, the like peak of all of the depression and mm -hmm. sickness. Exactly what I just said was the reason that I have this place because, you know, there is so much taboo around using tarot or reading astrology or people don't take that as a serious thing or that has any real benefit. Mm -hmm. But... In my life, without, say, flower essence or um, astrology or tarot or all the energy work, I wouldn't actually be this healthy. Yeah. That, that clear alignment, that aha moment, that second great aha moment was from the tarot and astrology reading. That I just felt that, you know, in yoga you talk about you lacking nothing. Mm -hmm. You are perfect as you are. You are lacking nothing. I knew that intellectually. I think we all know that intellectually, but it at the visceral level that I just felt so complete and whole. Yeah. And that I stopped fighting all these idea of what I have to do, what I should be doing, how it should look like. And it just felt so good. Yeah, it sounds like things really start to fall into place for you. Yeah. So when did you get the idea that you wanted to open this space? So at that time, I actually had a co-working space on the second floor that we currently have. 
Okay. And that was a joint venture with a partner and my husband and, and me. Um, because shortly after I had my third child, I have to take a big break because of my depression. Yeah. And also, um, I with three children, I couldn't really be working too much outside of home. Yeah. So then we decided so a break from your social social activism. activism. That was and then that was also relating to part of my depression because I was overextending myself. Yeah. So that's partially that I don't know how to I did not know how to care for myself to do that type of very demanding work. Yeah. It's physically and spiritually and mentally very demanding work to do yeah. activist yeah. work. And I was not healthy enough for that. Right, which kind of brings us to what you were talking about at the beginning of why that's so important for you Yes, to make sure activists are healthy and yeah. have these tools. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. It all makes sense now. Right? Yeah. yeah, this is great. All the dots are connecting. Isn't it cool to like tell your story from this in this sort of a setting? Yeah, right? Like, yeah, like, I didn't really think that... I mean, I don't know what I felt before, but... It's actually great that it started to kind of yeah. make sense. Somebody told me once that a good interview should feel like therapy for the guest. Mm. So it's it's a love letter to you of, of telling everywhere you've been and how you've come to this and where you are now, which is such a beautiful story. I didn't know most of this. So yeah. Anyway, okay, so back to it. So um, you start the co-working space. Yeah, started the co-working space, and that's when I got my tarot reading. Okay. And then that... So what is the co-working space downstairs? And it still exists? It still exists. Cool. So, so, it's, a, a so it's like a brother and sister organization. Cool, I didn't realize. So masculine expression of work and going out there to do your thing and internal work of healing your wounds and, you know, taking care of your your body, which is temple. Yeah. That's upstairs. So this is the feminine reiteration of our company and the masculine reiteration of the company is the co-working space oh, upstairs. That's so, cool. so your husband is involved in this work as well? He built and designed the place. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean we really built this place like we were together. In there. Yeah. 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 Wow. So okay. we were partner in so yes, that's another thing that he's partnering all the things that I, I do. Wow. And the, yesterday, actually, we were laying in bed, and he was like, you know, you're like my investment. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you better pay me back. I was like, well, you know what? Don't you think he paid back already because I'm so happy and healthy and joyous? He's like, you know what? That's so true. Oh. I don't really eat. I don't care if you don't bring any money into the household. You are just so happy. Yeah. And it's just so great. That was the greatest investment I have ever made because he really saw you at you know your bottom yeah but then he saw that light in me that I didn't even see yeah which is amazing to me that I don't know if I could have fell in love with me back then but he did yeah you know mm. so but he just he just saw that light in me and he just said that he just he was like my biggest cheerleader mm. It's, it's, I'm, I'm really thankful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you have the idea for Minka, you and your husband really start to bring it together mm -hmm. and you mentioned now, let's go back to talking about activism and yeah. your, your mission with this place of making it inclusive, which yeah. I love so much mm -hmm. and which actually is the same thing for downstairs. Yeah. So 
creating so that's kind of about creating a community which is not just one-sided right creating a community where many different ideas can coexist but the common thread of all of that is to create a better world create a better future create a better environment for all of us to live in um so so when i was holding space so Throughout all of these work, what came to me holding space downstairs is that I was just extremely good at holding space for people. And it could be a literal sense of holding space, like holding a physical space yeah. or holding space for people to feel comfortable because I'm, I'm a mom. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You still have that energy. The first time I met you, I just felt so at home and peaceful and like held, and which is like just what I had like just moved to New York and yeah. it made me feel it was exactly what I needed and I think you were able to without me saying anything you just are very perceptive and empathetic to people with that yeah so so then that revelation really led me to or gave me the confidence actually this is something that I should do but it doesn't have to be just co-working space I wanted to this time shift it to say more of the inner and feminine aspect mm. of our lives which is healing and wellness and which is happened to be the thing that I really loved and believed in yeah. so then that's how Minka came into place why is wellness and healing the inside more of a feminine thing do you think it's not feminine in terms of a woman mm-hmm. it's a um, if you think of the theory of the feminine and masculine in each of us in astrology we talk about venus and mars Uh, we all have that quality the masculine or well we call masculine energy the outward energy external energy the work to get things done in a physical form yeah that's the that's what we call a masculine energy and feminine energy is the energy that's nurturing the one that you go back inside to create something new so it's the creative energy that's the so you can't do one or the other that is the thing that you need to have both in order for you to create something complete yeah but it's the external force versus the internal force i i feel like though and i wonder if you agree that yeah that Females or women tend to be more open to things like tarot and healing. I do agree. Sometimes and wellnessy things. I do agree. Why do you think that that is? Because maybe we have that like nurturing. I think women are more intuitive too. Is that something that's true, or that I just? Or maybe socially, it's more acceptable for mm. us to be soft, for yeah. us to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, um, I read somewhere the suicide rate is higher in men than women, really? but the rate of depression, the clinical depression is higher in, in female or something. Okay. I think it's just kind of like men are not allowed to open up in that way, maybe. Yeah. Or they feel what they shouldn't. I'm not saying all women feel this way, but we tend to be the nurturing one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's this sense kind of with women that they have of like, 
everybody okay? Do does anybody need to eat? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, and it's not that men don't have that, but I don't think it's as urgent of a of a need in some cases. Well, maybe not as prominent. Yeah. As a woman, yeah. I think more women might do that naturally. Nat naturally, I've seen a lot of men do that too, but I feel like more women are that way. Right, but that might be just my perception. Yeah, who yeah. knows? Who knows? Anyway, yeah. Okay, you're in this space now. Mm-hmm. And when did Minka officially open? Somewhat recently. Right? Last year, June of last year, so 2016. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what was that feeling like to to see the space? I mean, to me, I see all the things that kind of happened in your past of your creativity with being an artist and a photographer. Mm-hmm. This place is beautiful and designed beautiful, has such beautiful light and even from the photos on the website to, you know, the way you feel when you walk in, it's very clear that you have a design background and an aesthetic that's been important to you from like the way you look and the design of space. And from that perspective and then the curation of the people who have come through the doors here, how does it make you feel and, and kind of where do you want to see it go? I mean, I just really love when, like you said, like you walked in here and you felt like you were being hugged. Yeah. Really, that's really the highest compliment that I can ever get because that's exactly what I want it to yeah. feel like. Um, you know, I have visited many different wellness and healing places and sometimes that's not the feeling you get when you walk yeah. into the door. So it's so important for me that people walk in and whomever they see make the person who comes in feel yeah just honored and whole and perfect. Yeah. You know? Um, How do you make sure that that happens? Because... You know, you are the one that hires the people to mm-hmm. fill the space. And yeah. I know, you know, Ashley, who does soul tattoos, and you have people doing tarot and mm-hmm. flower essences and, and yoga, of course, and so many things in this in this place. And you told me last time that every time you bring someone in, you have you yourself get a treatment from them yeah. and make sure that their quality and the inclusivity... How do you do that and make sure that that, you know, that feeling of a hug is maintained through everyone here, not just yourself, as you, as you grow? So what I do, it's funny, it's two things, right? I do get the session and I talk to them and I'm very clear on, I'm very clear on what I believe in. And I'm also very open to people bringing their flavor yeah. of what they offer. I don't believe everybody has to do things the same way that I do. I don't believe in that. So that, those are the things that I actually look for in a practitioner, as well as, of course, I'm looking for the diversity in the practitioner's uh, body. So I make sure that I want to include as many people of color or queer people in the practitioners, right? So that I look for. But I know the people who walk in here really appreciate how they feel when they come. Yeah. And that's really the most important thing for me. Yeah. And the the feel that you get is not just coming from me, it's everybody who does wonderful work in here that adds to that flavor of the richness and the wholeness and, and the sweetness of the place, you know? Yeah. Okay, so before I ask you the questions that I this has been so great and I can't believe we've been recording for as long as we have, but before I ask you the questions I ask everyone, I want to 
go over a couple things. I had my first Reiki session ever a couple weeks ago. That's right. It was amazing. But I didn't really know much about Reiki Mm -hmm. or flower essences, which I also had my first session of and was amazing. So can we talk about both of those things? So let's start with Reiki. What is Reiki? How can it help people? How can someone, whether they're listening in New York, they can come in to Minka. Mm -hmm. Please do. Mm -hmm. But if they're not living in New York, how do you find a practitioner that is good for you? What is it even? Let's start with that. So Reiki is a hands-on healing modality. So hands-on energy healing modality. So which is very different from, say, massage, which is a hands-on modality, but that's a physical modality, Mm -hmm. right? They work you with on your body. Right. Reiki is a um, one, moda- one, one of the modalities of energy healing medicine that you lay hands on people and we channel the universal cosmic energy through the practitioner's body into the client's body. So you are not getting, by getting Reiki, you are not getting anything new. You are made up of your cosmic energy we are made of one thing because we are made from this big bang energy and we actually became this body and our mind. We are all essentially made from one thing. So we are channeling this cosmic energy to flush your energy system. So whatever the blockage, whatever the ailment that might be happening, it clears you out. And that will feel like most likely very relaxing for people with chronic anxiety, it is very calming. It can alleviate some physical symptoms, especially if it's stress and um, mental-related physical ailment. It has this quality of you are being held by the universe mm-hmm. and everything is kind of okay. Yeah. Um, what does yes. it feel like for you as the practitioner? Is it draining after a session? No, because I am not using anything of mine. I am just collecting or sucking in more of the universal energy and pushing it through me. So I feel great after Reiki session. For example, if I'm doing flower essence, it actually is a lot more taxing for me because it's a lot of paying attention to you as a person and I have to be talking Mm -hmm. and a lot of cognitive work yeah but when I'm giving Reiki I feel calm I feel in tune I feel relaxed what sometimes I might feel is a heat if that person's body really needs a lot of energy about that. yeah I get really hot yeah so yeah that's kind of also how I can gauge oh this person really needed Reiki today yeah okay she's kind of okay she's a little tired but yeah yeah. I want to talk about my session with you because I think it's a good example Uh of this and I must wish we recorded right after because I probably remembered more then but yeah I remember a lot of it because it was new to me I'd never done it yeah I think I was really tired because I remember falling asleep for pieces and Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this but I kind of was like you told me after that I kept like shaking or my body was like doing weird things. Like a twitching. Yeah. Yeah, it happens a lot. And then on my foot where I was, I was having pain in my foot when I first moved here. Mm-hmm. I think I'm like walking a lot and, and you spent some time on my foot and you had moved. You were all the way over by my head and I felt you touch me but it was so strange because I thought you were still by my foot. Yeah. And then after when I told you that you were like 
I felt some, it was like a lot of heat and like a big thing in your foot releasing mm-hmm. or changing. And then my foot was fine. It was better and it like didn't hurt anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, good. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Isn't so, that crazy? Um, <laughs> anyway, and I love that. Story. So you feel energy at people's different parts of their body that like, is that how, where you decide where you should like linger on someone? I have been doing this for a while. So I have, I develop a sense of knowing in people's body and my internal knowing sometimes happens in my body. Mm-hmm. So I feel fine now, right? And when I see a client, I might start to get a headache mm-hmm. and I realize, oh, this person have a headache wow. because I'm feeling their headache. And then sometimes I'm like, am I overthinking it? Because you know, who, who knows, right? And then often I, I ask the clients, did you have a headache? She was like, yeah, I had a headache. Is it gone now? She's like, yeah, it's gone now. So sometimes that I feel it in my in my hand, in wow. your body, but sometimes I feel it in my body. So interesting. It is very interesting. So I, I kind of have a mirroring effect. Yeah. And that's what we call an empathic ability, that you feel people's... Energy. Energy. Wow. And... Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I'll talk about flower essences, which is something I feel like people have kind of heard of most of the other modalities done here, like acupuncture, astrology, and mm-hmm. I've had people who are astrologers on the podcast, but yeah, I was totally new to flower essences the mm-hmm. last time I was in here. Mm-hmm. So how did you discover that? What is it? How do people use it in their lives? Mm-hmm. I heard of it before I started doing it, and the way that I came across it was because I had this crazy chronic bronchitis of 10 months, I was going to acupuncturist every week. Mm-hmm. I guess I was told, I told you that, right? Yeah. yeah. I was in acupuncturist's office every week. The acupuncturist assistant who was doing my intake, she happened to be a flower essence therapist. Oh, wow. I said, oh, interesting. And I said something to the fact like, oh, wow, so you are really into the hippie stuff. Because I heard of it, but I heard that's pretty out there. So I was like, wow, you're really into the hippie stuff. She's like, yeah, you know, I, I am, whatever. And then next time I saw her, I was like, you know what? I think I want to get a flower essence session from you. I don't know why, but I want to do that. And that's how I encountered it. Flower essence to me is one of the most profound, deeply effective method of healing. It is a vibrational medicine, which is kind of close to homeopathic medicine. But with flower essence, you work not so much on the body, but it's more about your mind and your emotion and your um, spirit, really. It's, I like to call it soul medicine because there is this quality of putting you right into uh, right back into your soul purpose yeah i believe we are born with some um soul purposes in our lives in this lifetime and but because a lot of things happen in our lives and so many things just happens without us fully learning the lessons of each of them we get knocked out of this purpose we just kind of move farther and farther away from our purpose and by bringing in flower essence and the energies of flower what happens is we have this second opportunity to learn from those 
things that we actually missed mm -hmm. all of the lessons that we were supposed to learn but somehow we couldn't digest all of them at that time we will bring it back to the surface so we can relearn that lesson and then move on to the next lesson so we get closer and closer to our soul purpose as we move on cool so I want to talk about what an actual session with you is like because it was so uplifting and fun and cool right. the way you did do mm -hmm. it so we sat down with each other yes. and you first have all these cards kind of like tarot in a way flower picture cards yeah yeah but in the same sort of way we do that you ask me all these questions and I pick the ones that feel best to me and then from there you curate for me a potion basically pretty much yeah so talk, talk about that so people listening who are unfamiliar with it know what obsession is like yeah so our session feels a lot like a therapy session sometimes totally. because yeah, we talk a me, lot yeah before you even pull out the cards you yeah. ask me a lot of questions and really get to know me like a therapy session mm -hmm, like a therapy session so with that what I'm trying to do is to see a pattern in your life mm -hmm. a recurring pattern a theme that might be affecting your overall health or overall overall mental health, right? Yeah. And then once I identify that, each flower that I have a remedy, uh, a flower, each flower essence carries a certain vibration, certain quality, certain um, archetype. So I would choose out of hundreds of the cars, I would choose some of the ones that I feel might fit and I'll show it to my clients. And then they will say, oh, I kind of like this one. Oh, I don't like that one. So from those conversations, I, I am getting clues from your subconscious to see which one you're ready to work on or what is exactly happening because words can be misleading sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So that's my way of looking into your subconscious mind by having you pull the cards. Yeah, it's very cool. It's very yeah, cool. and then from there, I formulate the specific formula for you to take on for about three to four weeks. And within those three to four weeks, you might have some new revelation about certain issues that you might have or you feel really good or you feel some sort of aha moment. And then we go back and work on those newly found revelation yeah. or issues or whatever it is. Cool. Mm -hmm. so, and you actually take the potion internally like yes. three to four times, a, every three to four hours, right? Yeah, four times a day. Four times a day. Yeah. It's very mm -hmm. cool. Um, okay, there's so much I want to ask you. <laughs> We're going to do these next ones kind of quick fire ask these are some questions I, I ask everyone but yeah. some specific for you so what is one thing you wish more people knew about wellness that you are your own healer you are the you are the primary care practitioner for yourself mm. what's the greatest piece of wisdom that a therapist or practitioner or someone has shared with you that we haven't talked about yet maybe or if we have highlighted again what was that and how has it helped you what's the greatest wisdom yeah that someone's given you that's a loaded question I know um oh one of my mentor the idea of sovereign field what 
<laughs> the idea of sovereign field, which exists in all of us, okay. which is the universal and compassionate love that okay. nothing, nothing can ever touch. That's always intact as long as we are alive. Cool. Mm-hmm. And all the healing happens from there. What is it called? Sovereign. Sovereign. It's your sovereignty. Oh. Even if there's something horrific ever happens in your life, as long as you are alive, that part is untouched. That part yeah. that is always sovereign, that that part that's never been touched. So it's kind of like what we're talking about when we say namaste. Yeah, like the consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But it's for you to use to power up yourself. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talk a lot about body image on this podcast, and I mm. think as women it's something that, and people in general, yeah. we deal with. So have you ever struggled with body image and being so into health and wellness and you know being this public face of this space, how do you handle this? And you know, I often frame this question as if you're having a bad body image moment where you feel weird about yourself or you're getting dressed and you feel weird or whatever, how do you not let that dictate your day or turn into a bad body image week? How do you shift mentally out of that? Usually, I take a bypass because I wear something really loose all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's one way to do it. But, um, you know, I have those days I was like, wait, my clothes fit really funny. Um, but I like to focus on what am I trying to accomplish in, in my life t- right now or today. Yeah. And if, if that doesn't fit in, in my frame of thinking, then it just eventually f- fly away. Yeah. But the other day, though, I did have a really funny body image issue uh-huh. moment, which haven't happened in years. I don't even know if I have ever had that feeling. I saw myself in a video, and I was like, oh, my God, is that how I look? And that was really, I had to work on that for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. But you did and you shifted out of it. And just I did my, I did, I did an energy medicine session with one of my practitioners. Mm. I said, I need, I need to work on something. He yeah. said, what do you need to work on? <laughs> I need to work on my self image. Yeah. And you're, you shifted out of it. Yeah. Cool. Because it all comes from somewhere. Totally. Yeah. I always say that it's not like feeling off about yourself is never about that it's always about something something else yeah yeah how certain things made me feel or whatever exactly yeah so yeah it was okay. good another thing we we often talk about in this podcast is feminism mm-hmm. so how do you define your feminism and what does being a feminist how do you act your feminism in your life for me being a feminist is really about honoring all form of being feminine and that can be that can be so many different shades and colors and allowing that and honoring my own way of feminism allowing that to be as important as everybody else's form of feminism and being that being okay that being okay um, really stems from this love and understanding of one another. That's really how kind of how I practice anything, really. Yeah. Um, another thing I really feel is important is being a mom. 
for me, being a, a conscious, uh, nurturing, and fierce mom is a great way to be a feminist. Mm, yeah. What about activism and how you're teaching your children mm -hmm. to be an activist? You know, we mm -hmm. live in this world right now that's mm -hmm. so divided mm -hmm. and tumultuous and yeah. there's a lot happening and going on. How would you tell people listening or empower people listening to act their activism while also like finding that balance with self-care? So that's a really great question, actually, because that's that's kind of the thinking behind a lot of the work that I do, yeah. is being an activist really have this idea or image of going out to the front line and marching and, you know, by the picket line, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I've done that, and I realized that that is not my way of being an activist, my way of being an activist is really holding space for people so they can heal and from the healed place that they can actually go out into the world to be a more kinder person, more understanding person, more compassionate person, more aware person. So I would tell everyone that first, heal your wounds. No matter who you are, we all got one or 10 or a dozen or hundreds yeah. or thousand, I don't know, but we all got that. And when you are challenged or when the time is rough and tumultuous, what will happen is that those wounds get triggered. And when that happens, you stop listening and they'll stop listening to you. So first, heal your wounds. Yeah. And always create your activism from the place of love and not love like a fluffy romantic love love doesn't mean all hearts and and hugs love means that i love you so i'm going to tell you exactly what you need to hear yeah. and i'm going to tell you in a way that you can hear me mm. but i think that's what i would say to people is that heal your wounds and start with love mm. And whenever something comes up, like, am I trying to say it this way because it's the most loving and loving way that they can hear me? Or is it because I'm frustrated? So meditate and have a great, lovely dinner with your family and friends every now and then. Go out dancing and do the work. Mm, I love that. Yeah. What's your meditation philosophy or practice that you have? Um, I have to do it first thing in the morning. Once my day starts, I can't stop. Um, so maybe that's a teaching moment that I need to stop to do a meditation mm -hmm. practice. But anyway, right now, I have to do it in the morning. I sit about 20 to 30 minutes in the morning. Um, mine is a very simple awareness practice. Um, sometimes I might recite mantra. Um, I don't really have an exact set of things that I do, but I have about five things that I have in my toolkit. Mm -hmm. And depending on how I'm feeling and what I'm feeling, then I use that. So one is a body awareness meditation that I focus on my body really keenly so I can really get back into my body. Um, another one that I like is a mantra 
whatever it is that comes to me that day. Um, another one is to see into my third eye. Sometimes I can I see something. I don't know what that means, but I focus on that vision that I have, and then that's what I do. Um, other times I do the audio, meaning that I hear whatever is whatever is happening outside. I focus on that hearing and mm -hmm. not trying to focus on it or listen, like think about it. Yeah, that's I how I do it. Did that type of meditation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think those are basically it. So that's four. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Greatest lesson on motherhood. Yeah. Or advice on on being a mother. Mm hmm. Is there advice? Yeah. What is your greatest lesson on being a mother, and what advice would you give to people? Uh, I just wrote an Instagram post about it the other day. <laughs> I would say to everyone that children are resilient. You are good enough, and just enjoy the moment that you have with your child instead of trying to focus on what should have, could have. Would have. Yeah. Um, I realized that's how my depression came about. It's my idea of I have to do it this way. Mm -hmm. My ideal mother self is not what I'm doing currently. But you know what? It's fine. My child's happy. Yeah. She said, "House is dirty, but no one died from that." Yeah. You know. Totally. So just really understanding. You know, and there's no such a thing as perfection. Yeah. You know, with my friends who are mothers or like talking about becoming mothers or whatever, and I can see in them that anxiety of, of wanting to be perfect. And I always think, you know, like my mom didn't do any of the holistic things, and I ate almost exclusively sugar. And yeah. I was, I'm here now. I'm fine. You know, yeah. like it's not great. You're alive. But like, yeah. You know, she didn't breastfeed me and she like put me into daycare as soon as she could and like yeah. made it work and you know, yeah. we, we're, we're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you mentioned social media. What is, how do you handle your relationship to technology, social media, comparison with social media? What mm -hmm. advice do you have there? Yeah. As soon as I start to compare myself, I turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> because it's just such a slippery slope. How do you remember to do that though? I think meditation practice mm. and also just training yourself to be averse to that feeling you know How do you do that meditation practice <laughs> and also really really understanding that joy is good and feeling good in your body is really good and enjoying that when you can so you can keep that feeling in yourself and that's like the feeling you have usually so when it's off then you can notice yeah so instead of paying attention to the negative aspect just really really try to focus on the good feeling mm. so when something negative comes in you notice it because you are so in tune with your positive Ooh, you know I what like I mean that. Yeah, yeah 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 a lot of times that it just kind of falls away. I love that. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about technology or social media? It's a tricky balance. And I, I struggle with it just like anybody else. But another thing that I like to do is 
I would just have my own rule. Like if I'm having dinner with someone, then I just won't have the phone out. Yeah. Or um, during certain weekend, then I would say, you know what? I just don't have anything. Yeah. I just turn off my phone. Cool. And it's kind of like a digital detox, people call yeah. it. Yeah. And I stopped being on Facebook, really, because reading, it was emotionally draining for me to read too many yeah. posts about certain things. Yeah, and if I'm not in a good mood, I don't look at social media. If I'm feeling bad to begin with, definitely don't go on the social Ooh, media. That's a really good tip. That's a really good tip. Yeah. That's a good tip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I'm not feeling good, I should, I'm not on it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's kind of like what they say about alcohol. It just yeah. exasperates whatever you're already feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling good, it'll make you feel better. But if yeah. you're feeling the same thing with social media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my book came out last year. Yeah. And it's about journaling. Mm-hmm. So I always like to ask people about journaling and writing and expressing themselves mm-hmm. through that. Is journaling ever something that you've done or recommend to people... What's your relationship to that? Journaling is one of the first things that I recommend to people who comes to a flower essence session. Because by writing, you, you can go back and see how much you have progressed and how much you're feeling or how you are seeing day to day. And I had a very strong journaling practice back when I started my journey. Off and on. But... I was doing it every morning and that was extremely helpful um, and at some point because of my time constraints I just swapped it with meditation practice mm-hmm. um, I think it's kind of the same thing what it I'm is similar about. right mm-hmm. I feel it some is, days I need journaling because it's, yeah. it's watching your thoughts it's yeah. slowing yourself down enough especially if you're handwriting it mm-hmm. not typing it yeah you're slowing yourself down enough to watch the thought whether yeah. you're doing it with your eyes closed meditating or mm-hmm. doing it with your eyes open mm-hmm. journaling it's it's a similar it's a similar benefit i get from it i think they both have value yeah, yeah 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 i agree with you and i do like to handwrite my journaling journal that is definitely one thing that i always am in about and writing sometimes funny enough the email to my practitioners is Sometimes very much like a journal. There are to-do things, of course, but there's always something that I put in about how I want this place to be or, you know, my thoughts about certain things and that have become a little bit of a journal in its own form. Expressive writing. Expressive writing. Cool. Mm -hmm. So we've mentioned a couple, but something I always like to ask, what are your morning routines, maybe the first three or four things you do when you wake up in the morning and how the, doing those affects how the rest of your day goes? I would wake up and drink water. That's the first thing. And I would just go immediately to meditate. And after that, shower. I used to do that reverse, but somehow this works out better for me. Cool. So that's my first thing. Cool. Yeah. What about in the evening? What are the last three things you do before bed? How do you wind down and relax and as an entrepreneur turn off at the end of the day I'm not really good at that but (laughs) but what helps me is my youngest son and he is extremely um how old is he four he's very good at telling me what to do (laughs) (laughs) 
But he actually really likes to be read in at night before he goes to bed. So he would actually tell me, Mom, it's time for me to go to bed and I need、oh. to read. I need you to read to me. Oh my God. So we'll go sit on his bed, turn on the light, turn on his light, and we'll read a book. And he will lay down, and I just kind of sometimes lay down with him. and... I give him Reiki sometimes.、Oh. I ask if you want if he wants Reiki, and he said, "Yeah." Oh, so cute. Yeah, it's funny. He said, "Do you want Reiki?" He's like, "Yeah, maybe because you know Reiki just make me sleepy anyway." Oh, so yeah, it's very、um, so that he helps me actually. I love that. Yeah. What's your favorite part of your life right now? Um, I love it all, though. I love it all, but I'm just really I love the prospects of how much I can do by doing this work.、Mm-hmm. How much good I can bring into this world by doing the work that I'm doing now. So that's what makes me feel extremely excited. I feel good about everything, but I feel excited about the future. Yeah. Of how、um, this type of work is expanding and how that's going to really have such a huge potential for changing the world. Yeah. And at the same time, I feel feel a tremendous responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so these are quick fire questions. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay.、Um, but I'll warn you, they start off easier and get a little bit harder. Okay. Okay.、Um, it's like a game show. Okay. Favorite color? Green. Favorite day of the week? Wednesday. Favorite hour of the day? 5 p.m.、Uh, A.M. Oh, you wake up that early? Mm-hmm.、Oh, wow.、Um, best thing you've eaten in the last week? Uh, uh, French fries. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Greatest lesson on romantic relationships. Listen in a way that you want to be listened to. Ooh, that's a really good one. That one like went right in for me. <laughs> Greatest lesson on family. Oh my god, it might sound a little bit dark, but savor each moment because they will not be forever. Yeah. No, that's good.、Uh, greatest lesson on spirituality, God. What do you think happens when we die? All of that. I really don't know what's going to happen when I die. But we are all made out of one thing. So honor the next person, like yourself. It's just we are all one thing.、Mm, love that. You're ha- you're having a dinner party, and、mm. you can invite five people.、Mm-hmm. Who do you invite?、Mm-hmm. And what do you? Cook for them or eat,、mm-hmm. and what do you hope someone turns and asks you at the dinner party, and what do you hope doesn't come up that you don't want to talk about anymore? Five people.、Mm-hmm. Damn.、Um, I want to invite James Baldwin. Okay. I want to invite. Oh, I want to invite my mom. I would like to invite Barack Obama. I think that'll be fun.、Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I definitely want to invite Oprah, and I I want to invite 
Oh, you know what? I want Serena Williams to come. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think that would be really an yeah. exciting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what, what are you guys going to eat and what do you talk about? What do you not want to talk about? I'm going to cook a traditional Japanese food called nabe. Nabe means pot. It's like this one big pot dish, like everything goes in and cooks together in a broth. It's really good. Yeah. And it's really good to have conversation over it because you have to be over this one pot, right? Fine. So yeah. that's what I'm going to cook. What we want to talk about? What do you want them to turn and ask you about? What do you want to like talk to these people about? How we can shift the world. Mm. I want to talk about how we can... What would you say to that? I think we have to start from ourselves. Yeah. And start small because that creates big change. Cool. Like, work deeply with each individual. But, I don't know, they're all doing big things, so maybe that's not a good idea. But Yeah, but I mean, that's kind of what I want to talk about. Yeah, but they probably all... Have that. Have right? a self-care practice. Yeah, totally. I know Oprah does. Yeah. You know? And I'm sure that they all do if they're doing big work. So it'd be interesting to hear. Yeah. Like I say, anything you don't want to talk about that you hope doesn't come up? About current presidency. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay, so this next one is, is really just a way for you to recommend things. Yeah. So say either your ultimate favorites in these categories or things you've been loving recently mm-hmm. you can pretend like you're trapped on a deserted island you can only bring you know one of the following so music book um podcast movie and food that are your favorites or that you want to recommend i have just recently acquainted with my older music and i was just so blown away by how good they are like what <laughs> so I was really into house music in the 90s or 2000s and there was this group called Jazzanova out of Berlin and it's just so, I don't know, it's so complicated and beautiful music and I love it. So yes. I'm gonna check it out. Yes. And there are a couple other ones that was, that's a little hardcore but that's not something that probably, yeah, no, that's not, <laughs> those are not the ones. But I feel like that's gonna be what I'm gonna do. And then... Food? Yeah. One thing I can bring is food. Something that you love or that you just, like, is a favorite or that you want people to know about that you love. I don't know. I eat anything. Such a, like, non-picky eater. Yeah. What's your favorite food? Like, what would be your last meal? Probably Mexican food. Mm. Yeah. Probably Mexican food. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, what about a uh, book that you love or that you want to recommend? I love James Baldwin books, but if I'm alone in an island, I don't know if that's what I should read. Um, I'm also really loving this book that I'm reading currently, Holistic Tarot. It's like 900 book pages. It's so big. But it's about uh, using tarot as a psychoanalytic tool and using it for a personal growth. Cool. So having insight into your life instead of future telling. Very cool. So I'm really loving this book right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's... Yeah. And then because I have 900 pages that I probably won't be That would be smart. That would be a smart yeah. idea. Very, very smart yeah. choice. What about movie? Either a movie you loved forever or something you saw recently. Anything you want to recommend? I always loved Whale Rider. 
haven't seen it. That's such a feminist movie. Okay. You would like it. It's a New Zealand from New Zealand. Cool. Yeah. I've heard of it. Well writer. That I love that movie. Um yeah, and also I really love the movie Elizabeth. Is that like it's Elizabeth? old? It's it's kind of old. Okay, is it like about Queen Elizabeth? Yeah, but how? I don't know. Just she's just. I don't know. It's like girl power movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Cool. I mean, it's a little bit sad, but I also just really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What about podcast? Do you listen to podcast? On being. Oh, so good. Christy yeah. So cool. And actually, oh, it's one thing. I like Hidden Brain too. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so the name of the show is Let It Out. Mm-hmm. And so when I offer that to you to let it out, did mm-hmm. I bring you dry for all of your wisdom? Is there anything that you wish that you would have gotten to talk about that you don't usually get to talk about? Anything that feels unturned that we didn't get to? No, I think, I think we just... I think we just went all in and all out, right? We let it all out? I think we let it all out. Mm-hmm. Where do people follow along to stay in touch with everything happening with Minka and you? And mm-hmm. I'll have it all in the show notes, of course. But Instagram is Minka Brooklyn, and we have a lot of information there. But also, you can always come to uh, MinkaBrooklyn.com. You can sign up for a newsletter, and we send out bi-weekly newsletter that has all the upcoming workshops and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. There, Thank you. You might have heard a little bit of background news noise going on outside. What's happening out there right now? There so is a um, circle called My Sister's Support. It is a group about sisterhood and uh, supporting one another, and it's for a woman of color support group. And that's the launch event. So I'm glad that we're able to tell people what they're hearing in the background. Yes. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank I you. Love you. I love mm-hmm. this space and I'm so grateful for you and Thank I have you in my life. I'm so happy that I get to keep doing this show and I get to work with the most amazing sponsors. I actually love and use their products long before they were a sponsor of the podcast, which is really cool and really just exciting that something I love and use on a daily basis is now a podcast sponsor. That is really cool. I'm really, I'm really proud. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. You like them too? I You've been like using their more. products? Yeah, I use their raw, raw wheat germ. Um, and then I use their wheat bread. Which bread's good for like a nice dough. You put on the outside of a nice cold crust. You guys, we had a bread baker on our hands here. Sometimes. Amateur. You've made me bread and we made avocado toast. Yeah, with it was it. really good. It was lovely. Okay, check out Bob's Red Mill. I like their oatmeal. I like, there's a really good almond flour, coconut flour blend that I've used to bake with because I'm an intuitive baker. I don't bake bread, but I intuitively bake and I would use lots of Bob's Red Mill products when I used to bake a lot. I haven't baked since I moved to New York City, but I used to bake all the time. All and your baking stuff is in my basement. That's true. You probably have a lot of Bob's Red Mill in there. I think I do, actually. I do that flour. Okay. We're going to talk about that offline. 
Anyway, thank you so much to Carob. Yep. We love Carob. I love supplements. I think they're fun. And Carob really makes taking supplements fun because they come delivered to your door, the best quality supplements, and you're actually saving money when you use Carob because they give you exactly what you need and nothing else. You go to their website, you take a personalized quiz, and you'll get your supplements that you need from there. And the packaging is... takecareof.com and use the code Katie for 50% off. And I don't think we said the code for Bob's Red Mill, but the code for that is let it out at checkout. Let it out. No spaces. No spaces. Okay. Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And the emoji for this episode, drum roll, please. The beautiful light pink flower. It's a light pink flower. It's not the Hawaiian looking one. It's the circular pink flower. I don't know what kind of flower it is. Yeah. Anyway, if you send me any flower, that's cool. I just love the flower emojis. They're my favorite emojis anyway. So speaking of flower essences, I think it's a good flower for the emoji. Okay, we're going to stop talking now and go to Squirrel. Love you guys. Bye. Mm-hmm.